Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. What is going on, everybody? Hope you are having a wonderful week so far. Podcast time this week. I'm really excited about this one. Uh, Danny Howard, Radio 1 DJ presenter, um, has literally the best slot on Radio Specialist Radio now. Um, Danny has been in the Radio 1 ecosystem for a long time. And his had shows at many different times of the day on weekends and and um evenings and i've really seen him grow as a presenter over the years i remember before i was djing full-time danny became becoming a radio one dj and it's been really really nice to see how he's grown into the radio one ecosystem also how he's kind of grown as a producer and achieved the things that he's achieved as a producer, as a radio artist, a radio presenter, radio DJ, and also a record label owner. Um, he's truly one of the pioneers for dance music in not just in in Great Britain, but in the world for our genre of, of, of music. So um, it's been an absolute pleasure to get him on the podcast. So I'm going to stop blabbering on and let you guys listen to the podcast. Without further ado, Danny Howard. Mr. Danny Howard, what's cooking, man? Yo, good, mate. I'm I'm glad to finally get the, the royal invite to the Will Clark podcast. I, I've listened many times and seen it on Instagram. Um, so I was, I was just waiting for that call. I was like, any, any week now, <laughs> it's going to be my turn. <laughs> and mate, <there> we are. <laughs> we're like 160 odd episodes in and I feel like there's some people that need to wait to come on because it's like I need to get better <laughs> and like oh, no, no, when no. when you're when you're talking to radio royalty as we call you nowadays it's um yeah, it's pretty hard but yeah how's life yeah good we'll see how it goes I mean I'm, I'm much more comfortable being the interviewer than the interviewee but um yeah I'm looking forward to the chat I and guess, life's good good I guess that's, that must be weird because you are always questioning people. Well, it's the power of being able to take the conversation wherever you want to take it. Uh, take it. Uh, yeah. that, that's what you hold as the interviewer, as the interviewee. It's, it's hard to, to do that. But um, I don't know. It's just weird because I've interviewed so many people now. When I, when I come the other side of mm. it, um, I always find it. It's a bit like when you're a DJ on the dance floor yeah. it's just it, it becomes a bit like back to front because you're so used to being behind the booth it's exactly the same actually so do you actually, but no it's all good do you actually like being on the dance floor 
Uh, only at certain, only to certain DJs or in certain venues. Yeah. Um, my, my mates think uh, they, they always take the piss out of me. Like, oh, oh, too good for the dance floor now, are you? It's like, no, it's not that. It's just, it's just a weird, uncomfortable feeling being being in the middle of the dance floor. That's why I DJ because I can't dance. So yeah. um, that's my excuse anyway. <laughs> no, I can relate to that definitely. I think it's when you spend so much time in a club. Um, okay. Although, like, the club is made to have fun, but it's not always, it's always, for me, it's always like, do, could I be doing a better job than they are? <laughs> <That's> the... <laughs> uh, well, I, I wouldn't have played that one. Oh, that makes a bit dodgy. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. What, when I'm in the crowd, when I am in the crowd, I, I don't, um, people ask me that, like, oh, would you play that? Or mm. do, you, do you judge on a DJs? And, and ultimately, I don't, not, not technically anyway, obviously, like, yeah. Um, I respond to what they play as a punter, and um, yeah. Uh, but it's, look, it's. I was actually on the. I was on the dance floor most recently at Printworks for the closing weekend. I actually played that night, but then later on, my friends went down to watch Black Coffee, and it's one of the few big DJs I've never actually seen play yeah. a full like a full set. So I had to get involved and, and experience it from the dance floor. And uh, it's fair to say you can see why he is who he is because he was unbelievable. Really. So, yeah. Yeah, I've never Good. seen him live. It's it's amazing what he's done as a kind of a fun, like as a DJ. It, it's yeah, almost I mean, like he, he's not he, a DJ he's, now. He's kind of gone to that level of like unbelievable. He's a pioneer. He's yeah. pioneered. He's pioneered a sound and uh, and taken a sound and and uh, amplified it worldwide. And um, you know, he'll always be an icon for that. But it, as a DJ, I was very impressed and absolutely loved it. So mm. yeah, yeah, ma'am. Um, I want to go back to the beginning um, of, <laughs> of Danny Howard to what we know him as today, to we not, not, not know what you are today. Um, I remember a long time ago driving to work when I was working, listening to the radio, and it was the Ibiza competition on who was going to play. I think it was an Ibiza, Ibiza Radio One weekend. Yeah. Um, and you were doing, you, you entered the competition and you were clear, like, this is no disrespect to everybody else, but you were clearly like had a lot of knowledge about the industry then. Um, and you won the competition to play at Radio One in Ibiza and now you are who you are and what you've achieved (laughs) now. Um, how does if you look back and like really evaluate and i don't know if you often do this because you're always kind of because it feels like from an outsider's point of view and i know you but i don't know you that well like we've we've come we've come in touch a few times but i don't know you as a mate if you know what i mean so i kind of want to like get in there and be like how how does it feel to be to be who where you're at now in in your career um it still feels surreal I'd say I'm still the same person uh, as I was back then, like still taking it all in and enjoying it and, you know, not uh, just not changing who I am. Like, you know, still trying to be that humble guy from Blackpool. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it was, it was the most significant point. It was the start of my, my proper career. Um, But you're right. When you say like I had knowledge of the industry limited, but it was because I, I, um, 
back in Blackpool, where I'm from, but also Liverpool, where I went to uni, and Manchester. I used to put on my own events, so I yeah. was a promoter. And the only reason I was a promoter was so I could put myself on the lineups because yeah. I wanted to be a DJ. So um, that was my sort of background and how I made money as a student and sort of the year or two after I left uni um, before that competition. And yeah, it just, it feels, um, I feel very grateful for for that opportunity. Mm. Um, no one, they did do the competition a year after. Um, and I think I was just, lucky in you know the fact that they were looking for a, a new presenter to host dance anthems that they were bringing yeah. back and they found me through this competition so the story was was always uh, already well the story was there for me to be the first person to win a competition then get a show it was um quite uh, unheard of really um especially because i had no radio experience as a presenter um but yeah then to be to fast forward to where i am now it actually took quite a few years to shake off that competition winner tag mm, yeah, yeah. and um just uh, earn as everyone should earn um the reputation for being you know a tastemaker uh, an accomplished pre- um presenter and not just someone who got lucky and is riding the wave you know i'm 11 years deep into radio one now and i think if i didn't work hard at it i, I would have i would have got the hook a long time ago but yeah. um yeah, that, that's. I always look back at it as as a great moment. Um, but there's been many great moments since as well. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. The to like, you have to work to kind of gain the respect of everybody in history because what you class as what you did was luck. But like, I say this all the time. I feel like our whole careers are luck. Like well, you need, you need, you need those, you need the look a hundred percent, whether it's, you know, um, bumping into someone who owns a label that you want to release on or, or, you know, a competition like I did, you wouldn't say Becky Hill owes her, her whole career to the voice was it she was on. I mean, mm. she's obviously done accomplished so much more since and become, you know, the mega pop star representing dance music that we know of today. And it's, yeah. it's similar. You know, we all, we all need a breakthrough in some capacity. Mm. Um, but you've got to be able to, deliver when you do get opportunity because i don't i don't think the opportunities come up probably more than once if they do then you know good on you but that was my big that was my big opportunity and um because of the nights that i put on and because the djing that i did and you know really wanting it as well yeah uh having having the knowledge um put me in a good good position to be able to win it it's like completely life-changing i'm trying to think about it though like no it is it's like winning the x factor yeah. for a dj literally um because the brand of Radio One's so big, especially when it comes to dance music. I've won this competition. Next thing I'm playing a Schweier next to, I think, <laughs> Tiesto and Calvin Harris were on the lineup that, that year. Um, and then to get the show, mm. it, it, was, it was an absolute dream. Still is a dream. Still, don't, still, I still get the same buzz every, every Friday when I turn up for the show as I did when I, well, it was more nerves back then, but still get the same buzz and excitement. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what it's been able to do is, it's, it's enabled me to have a platform to have my name out there every week to a massive audience, which yeah. has enabled me to, you know, build a, a career as a DJ and, uh, you know, all the other things that I do. Well, it just goes to show how much of an institution the BBC is in general mm. forms of, not just in the UK, like obviously it is the UK. It's the, no, the... but even when I go to America, yeah. um, I actually did a show for eight years on Sirius XM, yeah. which I know you'll be well aware of. And 
all people used to ask me about at Sirius was BBC. Yeah. Like, I remember doing an interview with uh, Geronimo who, from, from yeah, Sirius, yeah. and um, his first question was, so BBC Radio <laughs> 1. I'm like, hold on a minute, we're on, <laughs> we're on another radio station here. So, yeah, it is an institution worldwide, and, you know, that goes back to the days of when Pete Tong, his show, The Essential Selection, was the mm. global shot window into what was the new hot dance music. And, yeah. Um, you know that 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 legacy and and um, sort of uh, everything that he built in those early days has remained uh, until now, and and people trust Radio One and, and its presenters as a a source for new music, but a credible source as well. Um, even even now, when we're battling against streaming services, YouTube, mm. you know, everything else that provides content, um, I, I think it, we we play even more important role now. Because there's so much content, yeah. so much music, like we almost act as like a filter. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's incredible to be able to be a part of it and still fly that flag. Yeah, it's interesting you say that about Spotify and or streaming generally. Because I was going to ask that is like, how have you found the change in radio and how you guys have kind of not been treated, but like you guys stand in the industry when it comes to the, everything else. Well, the change um, when it was like everything went, this is really industry this, but um, when things went on air on sale, so like people that don't know, I think it was pre, I think maybe like 2015, it was yeah. around that year. Say if you, a, an artist released a song, you would probably hear it on radio, certainly in dance music, six to eight weeks before the release. Yeah. Um, and that was the, how they built up like pre-sales and then they would shoot straight to the top of the chart or whatever. Now, obviously, if you hear it on the radio, the rule is it has to be available um, on on streaming. And I found that really frustrating because, yeah. as a tastemaker, you want you want people to listen to listen to your show for, you know, to to hear an unreleased track by mm. you know whatever artist. Um, and that sort of so the days of exclusives, unless it's like a new artist or a, a really independent label who don't give a shit, that that is the case um and then yeah i really hated that because obviously everyone likes an exclusive but the way people consume music is different now and we have to accept that mm. people if they hear it on the radio they want to be able to add it to their own you know streaming playlists and that's fair enough but um now our so our role has changed a little bit obviously we're still tastemakers and acting as a filter to bring you what we believe is the best new music that is available out there um but we also are there to reflect uh, the mood. So, for example, my show on a Friday night, 6 p.m., people have just finished work. They're getting yeah. ready for the weekend. They're in the cars driving home. They're, you know, they're on their way to wherever they're going for the weekend. And it's about just matching that mood, really. So mm. that's, I guess, the role of my show in the radio, uh, the, the music world, I guess. Um, but also still, you know, introducing new artists and new music. It's... Yeah, it's like a dual role now yeah. um, and one that I really enjoy. Yeah, because it's, it's interesting from from an outsider's point of view and obviously somebody that releases music, how radio has kind of changed over the years of the power of what radio can do to a record. But also for me, it's like, it feels like there's no, like years ago when you used to like get a, Pete Tong essential new record like it was you were the hottest new thing in the world and like it mm. was it was the shit if you know what I mean like 
and it still is, if that makes sense, or if you get a hottest new record, generally it is, it is the thing. But I think because the way we consume music nowadays, it's not necessarily as powerful on a on a scale where this can change your life, but it adds to the story of a record, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's like, it's the same with everything. Yeah. Like beat, you, you get a Beatport number one totally. 10 years ago, and then you could build a whole world tour off that. Well, we still have I friends. Get... We have still have friends that had one Beatport number one that is still the biggest in the world. Yeah, exactly. Um, but with radio, like, you know, hottest records, essentially new tunes, they still do count for a lot. It's still... Totally you know, a, a, an amazing accolade to receive. Um, but I think, whereas when you go on a streaming platform or you go on SoundCloud, it's like, you can just go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. It's like, you know, you, you get so far deep and you don't even know what's good anymore or what you like. Whereas radio, I guess, is um, a true, a true reflection and like a real representation of what is actually good in terms of quality. Yeah in terms of, you know, trajectory of artists that you need to be um, listening to. And um, it's almost like chicken and egg with, with streaming services because when you're pitching a record, they go, well, what, what radio or what DJ support has it had? Yeah. And then sometimes uh, radio people are like, well, how, how's, how many streams is that? It's just like, <laughs> so now, I'm, now I just, obviously, I mean, I always have just, and, and the thing with the BBC is there's never, it's in, it, obviously it's, it's a bit of a, uh, it's just the way it is, isn't it? It's a bit of a um, what's uh, it's, a, it's the official uh, tagline that we're impartial, but I, I don't like to go around saying we're impartial, but we are, and that gives us an advantage <laughs> that you know there's no, you know, I'm not just playing my mate's records, yeah, yeah, yeah. because yeah. my mate, I'm, I'm playing it because I think it deserves to be on Radio One, it deserves to have totally. uh, mill- millions of people hear it, and you know, I've had I've had friends who are producers who fallen out of me because they can't quite get the head around that I'm not playing their record because they're my friend. Yeah. Um, I won't name names, but come um, on, name them. <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm only messing. That, but, I'm only messing. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, it, you know, I, I, I take it very seriously, the, the records that we play and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the integrity and mm. uh, reputation that I've built over many years that if people start realizing I'm only playing, certain artists because they're my mates or they can give me something in return which you know i'm not saying happens elsewhere but with the bbc that you know what you're getting and i think that's that's why when you do get a play on radio one no matter what show it still is a big thing we we still you know i still have a million listeners on my on my show alone so imagine you get a play on daytime radio that's you know multiple millions of listeners Mm. it's and and and, you know i know spotify it's like you know this many million people uh, listen to my yeah. record i i don't question it but i i don't think the impact of that many many million listeners versus a radio million listeners which nah, thinks a bit more like it's more engaged more concentrated um can have much a much bigger impact especially well, when it comes to shazams or or, or or you know gigs and stuff well you're 100 percent right because the thing with less i i'm not just saying all streaming services but I'm using Spotify, for example, because they give you more data than what the others do. But let's say, for instance, even for me, I have like 30,000 monthly listeners in London. Okay. I can't even get a show in London. Yeah. The the numbers don't translate. No, not at all. But like, I can guarantee you, like if I did, if I had a big record on Radio 1 
that was constantly being played, I know that I'd be getting booked in the UK for that, if that makes sense. So, so I think I think there is a correlation with radio where like people are listening, and I think because of, <clears throat> there's pre- the the DJs, the presenters, like you guys, that it makes it way more personable rather than just an algorithmic playlist that just you just put on in the background and just gather streams. It's you, no one is listening to. Even like at the gym, like my local gym back in the UK, that they play Radio One Dance, the the dance yeah. radio station, and like there's a presenter on there, and like it's it's you listen and you kind of pay attention to what they're saying to, and it feels way more personable than just a playlist going round and round in the background. Yeah, not not everyone likes a presenter talking, but um, I think yeah, th- th- uh, th- there are people out there who trust certain presenters um whether that be pete tong or you know uh my show or sarah or whoever or you know anyone our friends at kiss and capital like people have the favorites that they tune into and um that again that's the difference with radio is is a bit of personality thrown in there Mm. and what you just said about it translating into to gigs the most recent example that everyone would know is lf system afraid to feel last year was a track that we really championed on on radio one um but they were i remember them saying they weren't getting a look in at, at streaming services for the first few weeks yeah until until the shazam started coming in and then yeah. they had x amount of radio plays and then it, you know you could see the momentum then they then they came on board so but because we were playing it because the tunes reacting obviously promoters started to take notice and yeah. started to get gigs and and yeah so i guess this whole point of this section of the conversation is like, and obviously I'm going to say radio is important, but it's, you know, the, the case studies are there, the, the facts are there. It, it, like, I think everything plays its part in the ecosystem mm. of uh, a music release and, and and the journey of a music release and growing as an artist. But um, yeah, radio is still very important and it, and it can, um, and it does certainly help, help artists grow and, and, and get more fans. It's also a massive ego stroke for the artist. Like, I don't care what anyone <laughs> says. Like, I'm being completely honest. When your record gets played on Radio 1 as an artist, it's like, and you've grown up, like for me, like I've grown up listening to Radio 1 since I was eight years old, like especially like Pete mm-hmm. Tong. So like, when, yeah, and and you're just like, okay, when, when you, Sarah, Pete, plays the records and Annie over the years, like, you're just like, yeah, it feels amazing. It doesn't, it almost doesn't matter what happens after that because it's like you've achieved something and it's it's just well, an, a nice achievement as an artist to have. Yeah, I think it goes for any radio station. I'm not trying to like, um, you know, uh, be impartial here, but I'm just saying the point I'm going to say is when you get played a radio show, a real person has listened to your tune totally. and decided that amongst all the other hundreds of tunes they received that week, yeah. they're going to play yours. So that is a real, like, deliberate action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas on a streaming service, you know, an editor or, or someone in the back end has, has been flicking through everything and they look at your monthly listeners, they listen to the tune, uh, they listen to the vibe or whether it fit a particular playlist, and it's just a really quick process. Mm. Um, I'm not saying that they don't listen properly at streaming services. I don't really, I don't really know, but I'm yeah. just saying, like, for them to add a track to a playlist of loads of tracks... Um, is 
is not really a big deal compared to someone like me who has two hours, yeah. which is about 30, 35 tracks if I can push it. You know, those spaces are at a premium. Mm. So if your track's in one of those spaces, you know it's a good thing. And yeah. and and you and you quite rightly should stroke your ego and be proud of yourself and pick yourself up because it's a big thing. Well, it's also like the, the, the placing of the record, right? There might be a record that you absolutely love that just doesn't fit on the show. And you're like, how the hell do I fit this on the show? Because I want to fit this on the show. But how often does that happen for you? Because it must happen a lot. <laughs> it does. It does happen a lot every week. So you know, there are there are tracks that are good enough and and sort of meet the quality threshold, if you will, to get a play on the show. But it's just a massive jigsaw. It yeah. it, it, it it comes down to just what else is around, what else on the show, because it's. It's quality, obviously. Is the record good enough? Um, it's artist proposition. Are they uh, a big name that the audience would be familiar with or are they an artist that's hot and the trajectory's on the rise and we need to be supporting them? Yeah. Uh, diversity, obviously, we need to make sure that we're um, being as diverse as possible. Mm. Um, with my show, we're trying to get to a 50-50 gender split. That's cool. Um, our, um, and... Um, What's the other one? Oh, just just vibe and texture, really, because on dance party we play, you know, house, garage, drum and bass, yeah. and everything in between. So um, sometimes it's just a toss up between two house records for this particular slot, and yeah. unfortunately one misses out. Happens a lot with hottest records. Mm. I, I wish I wish the labels would speak to each other because some weeks we're scratching around for a hottest record. In other weeks, we have five <laughs> records that could all be hottest records, yeah. but only one can be. So it really, I'm, you know, we talked earlier in this conversation yeah. about luck. It's it's the same when it comes to getting a play on radio. Mm, totally. What's the process you go about for like programming a show? Because I know it's, it's you and Jay, right? Jay, my producer, and yeah. Josh, who works on the show. Yeah, okay, we, cool. um, so the process is, in simple terms, um, if we go week by week, yeah. obviously sometimes labels send stuff up for like hottest records and the guests that we book is usually done like a month in advance. Yeah. And then like the actual music is, is on the weekly. So on a Monday and Tuesday, we'll listen to all the new music that comes in. Um, and we'll put it in a folder, um, that we then all listen to together on a Wednesday and decide what new tracks we definitely want to support. And we put them in a grid. Sorry, uh, to, which is to, the show. can I back up on the listening side of thing on a Wednesday? Are you yeah. literally listening to like every single record or obviously not every single? Yeah, so we, we so on the Monday and Tuesday, we listen individually. Yeah. Uh, that's where most of the, the, that's the most laborious bit and the, yeah. and the most time consuming. So we do that individually and anything that catches our ear, we'll throw in mm. to like the next phase of the, yeah. the filter, if you will. And then we either get together in radio one or obviously sometimes we have to do it on zoom depending on where i am and we just yeah we spend uh an hour 90 minutes just going through the short list of new new music basically yeah. um and decide as a team what goes in uh and then we have a, a document of what we call recurrence which is what it says on the tin tunes that we've supported over recent weeks that we want to give repeat plays yeah and that grid um of two hours fills up quite quickly yeah so that's the process, and then, and then Thursday is the production side, make it, making the the um, seg sections of the show, mm. which uh, are pre-built in different sections. And then Friday, I turn up 
and deliver the show live to you know on air which um a lot of people just think i turn up with two usbs and plug in and just you know talk Wing it. um so it's actually a you know for that one two hour show it's a it's a week-long process yeah. pretty intense process actually which takes up the majority of my time uh, but look it's it's a huge platform it's a big show and it 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 needs uh, a thorough process yeah it must be actually nice to have a proper team around you as well because i couldn't imagine doing that all by yourself as well no it is because look we all know how much music gets released a week i can't remember the exact figure but i know it's a lot and there's tunes that i might miss that they flag vice versa sometimes i might be not sure on a tune and and they'll go well maybe we should give it a try because of x y and z reason and and it it really is just like a democratic process is that the word um so yeah um and and that's what that's why it works really well and and that's why um the the show has the impact it has because it's every every tune we play is is well thought out and and it's there because it deserves to be Mm. i feel like you've done every single show in on BBC at some point in the, <laughs> in the specialist kind of realm, starting from yeah, and, and some of the daytime as well. Yeah, um, yeah. When I first joined, uh, I started doing dance anthems, which did that show for five and a half years. But was it that long you um, did it for? Yeah, a long time. Uh, and then my I got some depths, which is basically what we call um, when you cover a show. Yeah, and it was for Greg James, who was on Drive Time at the time. Yeah. And I was like, I've never done radio before. I've been here three months and they put me on drive time. <laughs> and I remember doing it because obviously it was a big opportunity, quite naively. Um, and I, me- I knew straight away it wasn't for me. Yeah. I-, I remember speaking to a boss saying, I know this sounds mad, but I really don't want to do drive time. And he was like, oh, what do you want to do? I said, well, ideally I want to end up covering Pete Tong. Yeah. That- I want to go down the specialist route. And um, yeah, that was a quick self-learning uh, process of, um yeah just make sure you tell them what you actually want and don't just say yes to something because it's a big opportunity um that might not be right for you because to do daytime radio you've got to be funny but i'm not very funny will you know i know i i know my tunes i know how to talk about music um, yeah and that's about it (laughs) well i think like this is no disrespect to where you're at but like i said like with daytime you're you almost have to be way more of a personality and i don't mean that in a disrespectful way to you but like no you no. T- i mean the greg james sure, is the chris it, moyles the like nick grimshaws like scott mills like yeah they're they they're not known and this is no disrespect to them they're not known about them for their music they're known for them who they are and you but, you pete sarah you guys are known for putting out playing really fucking great music it's two completely yeah, and, different and, roles. and talking about it and, and and having knowledge about it, be able to contextualize. That's, yeah. that, that's the skills of specialist. And then daytime, it's it's being he- able to talk about something, anything, and make it funny and yeah. relatable, which takes a lot of wit. Yeah, and uh, that's something I do not possess. <laughs> but I have mad respect for those guys because I know how hard it is to put a mic up and talk and make it interesting. Yeah, Greg Greg James does a very good job at that. I, I really yeah. like listening to him. Really yeah, like he's amazing. He, he, he spots things in like 
you know, that none of us would think of and, and turns it into something. So And then drags an it and drags it out for God knows how long. And it still is amazing. I don't know how he does it. Got to give the people what they want. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so do you feel, do you feel, feel good in the spot where you're at now? Yeah, I love it. I mean, it's the, it's the dream slot. Yeah. Never thought I'd get there because ultimately when I got to the, the slot before Annie, I thought that was me. You know, I'd, re- I'd reached, it was 8 p.m. At, as it was. And I was like, great, happy with this. Uh, because I never thought Annie would ever leave. <laughs> and then yeah. when I found out she did, obviously, the, my first thought was uh, sad because, yeah. like you just said before, I, I remember listening to Annie mm. driving to my Friday gigs, yeah. um, you know, however many years ago. And um, yeah, that I, 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 just, I was a fan, really. So it was sad. And then when I got the call to do that show, um, it was, yeah, yeah, an absolute dream, and it still is. As I used to cover Annie when she was off, and I used to finish that show just like completely buzzing because you just you, you can feel how big it is by yeah. the amount of people that listen and message in. So now to have, have it every week is is unbelievable. So yeah, I'll just keep doing it for as long as they want me. Love it, love it. How long? Like, there must be. It must. This sounds really weird for me to say this, but radio must get in the way of gigging life and touring life. Yeah, How does that affect yeah. it? Well, it's worth doing. So it's it's one of the biggest dance radio shows, certainly in the UK, maybe even the world. No, I don't know. In the world, but, um, in the world, one hundred percent. It's worth it's worth sacrificing a Friday night gig. I can still DJ on Saturdays. Yeah. During the summer, I can still DJ in a beef on a Monday. Yeah. It don't really affect my DJ career. If anything, it it you know elevates it because mm. I get that huge platform to have my name out there. And um, the, the, I guess the main challenge that I face is um, growing a DJ career uh, as a house DJ, yeah. which is what I play, and um, make sure people don't expect to hear what I always play on the radio because not everything I play on the radio I play totally in my gig yeah. in my gigs and vice versa you know yeah. um i play mainstream dance music across the board on radio whereas in my gigs i'll play slightly more underground house yeah. so uh, but i think you know I'm, i've been doing it long enough now for people to recognize that but i remember at first it was a bit of a bit of a tough one especially if you're coming off dance anthems like where well, that was it there were certain, certain promoters that wouldn't book me because they thought i was going to turn up and play avici yeah. um that that was you know, going from dance anthems to Friday nights that first year, you know, we had to do a lot of groundwork mm. to for, for promoters to actually take me seriously. Um, and you know, I'm not going to name brands I was about to, but they, I, that we we set out a list of brands and parties that I really wanted to play, and eventually we hit all of them, which was great. Um, but yeah, that, that that was the main challenge, really. Other than the only the only challenge I think I face as a DJ being on Radio One is is perception mm. so in what sense yeah. exactly, exactly what i just said like yeah, yeah, yeah. people people think i'm going to turn up and and yeah and ruin the vibe and and reputation of their party because i'm going to play you know some of the stuff that is right for radio yeah uh but you know i'm a dj first and um sort of with an old school mentality and i'm able in, in the in the sense that i'm able to adapt to whatever the situation or, or or sound is totally totally so it goes from radio one to then obviously touring the world and then 
when does the whole record label talk start to get involved with all of this? Because it surely must be something in the back of your mind for a while. What do you mean? Starting your own record label. When did it start? Just kind of the um, process of like, why, why did you want to start it? And, and is it, cause it, is it part of RCA? Do you know, do you know what? No, it was. Okay. So, um, when I, when I joined Radio One, um, uh, part of my management team were Paul Oakenfold and Judge Jules, yeah. which was quite <laughs> surreal because Jules left as I joined yeah. and he just wanted to really help me, um, and one of the things he said I should do is do a record label. And Sony were interested in in doing it with me. Um, and I sort of walked into it completely like oblivious to what it would require yeah. um, in terms of, you know, hours. But also I had no experience. So we just got, so because of my position and because yeah. of Jules's contacts, I was able to get this label within RCA Sony, which is ridiculous. Um, but our first release was 99 Souls, yeah. <laughs> the, the Girl Is Mine, um, which I think got to number three in the official chart. So we were off to a flyer. That's crazy. I thought, this is great. <laughs> this, is, this is easy. Um, but then quite quickly realized how hard it was, it was going to be. And we did that for about four years. Um, but I, you know, I wanted to concentrate on my DJ and the radio, mm. and and it became less of a priority to, to do the label. And we did have some good releases, and uh, I didn't, I did enjoy it to an extent, but it came to an end. And I realised that actually, what I wanted to do was uh, do it independently yeah. and just release like club records without the press. Because when you when you're in a major system, they want hits and they want results and they want them fast. Whereas as an independent, you got much more creative control and freedom. And um, that's when I started Nothing Else Matters in 2019 mm. um, as, as an independent. Um, uh, linked up with the tool room guys, good friends with Mark. And, you know, they they helped me with the background yeah. and the back end of it. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's been really enjoyable to sign records that I can play on my sets and and also not and sign new artists as well as established artists and not get asked questions so yeah it's good it's just running a label and also i can release my own records as yeah. well when I, when I do when i do eventually make them um but uh yeah i think having a label having a, having an outlet is is important and um something that i think every dj should have if they want to do it obviously but um yeah so it's been it's still going strong and we've got some good releases this year so we'll see sick man yeah i think a label is really important in general careers as well i think there's there comes a point when you can there's a, a ceiling on somebody else's label that you can kind of reach i don't know if you agree with me on that um but i think for me it's mostly about branding and how do you want to brand yourself for the rest of your career and i think on somebody yeah. else's label you can't necessarily do that unless you're just fully in on that brand? I think if you're a new artist and you and you just you start your own label and only release your own tunes on your own label, it's going to take a very long time, yeah. unless you make a hit, to, to break through. The, the, obviously, the benefit of releasing, I mean, it's, it's an obvious statement to make, but the benefit of releasing on established labels is you, you get fast track to their audience that's already yeah. engaged. So... 
I would recommend any new artist to, you know, still have your target labels and work towards releasing on them. And then when when you eventually get your own fan base, that's when you're going to have more impact from releasing your own records. Mm. Um, and, and that's what I did as well. As, as, a, as a producer, um, that's exactly what I did. I, I remember I always actually wanted to release on Tour Room um, and I had a release on their Shadow Child's label. Um I remember what else now, but uh, yeah, just just labels that wouldn't give me a look in before. Yeah. All of a sudden, um, yeah, I, I kept working towards it, and and that helped, especially the touring releases. They're a great label, man. They do mm. amazing stuff as a label generally. Them and Defected as independents. Yeah. Oh, wait, that was the other one, Defected, and I got I finally got my that was that was about five years of demos that one. But, yeah, <laughs> it's it's uh, people don't realize the the brutal the brutalness of trying to sign a record. And that is the problem um, of releasing other other labels because obviously first you've got to get them to like it and then you've got to wait quite a lengthy period before you can slot into their uh, release schedule. But look, it's, when you get a defected or a tour room or one of those labels, it's, it's worth it. Yeah. I guess the amazing thing now with releasing music that I don't, I don't know if you necessarily had like 10 years ago, um, but, you have the ability of it to do well without having a brand behind it to a certain extent. It's like every, everyone is very way more accessible than, than it was 10 years ago. I feel like there was a lot more gatekeepers 10 uh, long ago before streaming, before social media, you kind of needed that, that record label that kind of had the contacts you had the radio pluggers had all of that whereas now i feel like it's so much more easier to be an independent artist yeah no for sure and um, did you nearly just fall off your chair yeah because the dog was <laughs> jumping up at me <laughs> what do you want he was attention been asleep um yeah no for sure i mean but I just, I'm, all i'm saying is uh whilst it's great that there are label distribution deals and yeah. it's easy to set up your own labels, like still, still go for those hot creations yeah. or tricks, defected, whatever. So someone, some, somewhere that's already got an audience to hear, hear your music. Yeah. It's an absolute game changer. It can, well, look what, look what Patrick's done in the last three years with trick. I know, but that's because he was ready to do it, which is yeah. why he was able to hit the ground running. Yeah. He'd, he'd, already, he'd already grown um, a fan base through hot creations yeah he's so, absolutely taken yeah. over it's amazing amazing what what they've done um ibiza residencies yes you've been playing in ibiza for a long time um you, did yeah. you start your residency last year or at amnesia the, the amnesia one yeah. yeah um so my first residency, it wasn't a proper residency with sort of with my name above the door, but um, it was at Pasha yeah. in uh, 20, 2014 or 2015. Yeah, it was pure Pasha. Mm. It was Martin Solveig and Bob Sinclair headlining alternate weeks. Yeah. And I was the resident every week for 20 weeks, Damn. just like in, in the warm-up slot. And it was it was insane, an amazing <laughs> club to play. So I did that for like two, three years. And then I went to sort of doing a bit of everything. Mm. And then last year, um, yeah, I uh, got a call from Neil at Amnesia asking yeah. if I wanted to host the club the club room. Gorgon and Sunny in the Terrace and I could curate it. And that was really fun to curate. Booked a lot of 
new artists that had broken through during COVID. In fact, we gave a lot of artists their first Ibiza show, which was such a nice thing to be able to do. It's amazing um, for Amnesia to be your first Ibiza show as well as an artist. Yeah, it's pretty. Exa- yeah, exactly, exactly. It's pretty amazing. Um, this year, the, the we're changing the structure. Um, so rather than going having two rooms, we're going to condense it just to the terrace. Nice. And it's just going to be myself, Gorgon, and Sunny every week. Um, sad that we can't curate and book guests, but there's only so many hours in the night. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we're just going to do that for 15 weeks and. Um, yeah, I'm excited because sometimes when I finish my set in the club room, I'd go in, in the terrace late on and sort of jump on with the guys and it was always a buzz to play that room. So I'm looking forward to doing that every week. But a beef of mine, I was there for IMS recently and it's just, I, every time I'm there, I'm just like, I need to move here. Um, <laughs> I never actually do, but maybe one day, but I'm going to be there a lot. So if you're in Ibiza, I'm going to plug it now, Mondays plug. Um, every week, so how is how is the traveling how do you find the traveling for you i know it's only ibiza it's only a couple of hours away but like with your schedule of radio as well and that being the full-time kind of focus how is that as long as i'm back as long as i'm back in london on a friday afternoon by about 3 p.m i know i'm i'm fine (laughs) so um yeah sometimes i'm yeah because i do uh ibiza monday mallorca tuesday and then fly back usually Wednesday unless I got something else on. What's Mallorca, um, What's the Mallorca pie? BCM. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, every Tuesday, so yeah, I just curate that. Um, and when we first started a beef last year, because I thought Mondays, oh, it's calm, it's a Monday, but I actually forgot that Friday radio, Saturday festival, sometimes Sunday festival. Yeah. So by the time I get to a beef, I'm like knackered. Then I have to go to Mallorca on the Tuesday. I'm making it sound like it's awful, but it's it's brilliant. I'm not moaning. Uh, but yeah, it's intense. But it's a lot of work, man. Fun. It's a lot of work, and yeah. people people don't realize is like, well, I think people do realize now because with social media, you kind of explain. But like, even for me, yesterday, like I, my plane got flight got cancelled, was stuck at the airport for seven hours, got home, they lost my luggage. Like it's not it's not always plain sailing. That's never fun. It's, I've, it's, I've had that one before. It's um, so annoying. No, I, I enjoy it. I mean, I try and do hand luggage wherever I can, mate. Yeah. So, so do I. I they made problem. me check my bag, though, because it wouldn't fit in over, oh, the overhead. I was on one of these, like, twin pro- twin propellers. Oh, so yeah. So they were like, Favorite. yeah, um, it's not good. So, no, no, I'm, I'm fine with traveling. Used to it. Don't mind it. Get a podcast on, do a bit of work. Um, yeah, the usuals. What do you listen to? Uh, uh you will the world class podcast of <laughs> do <course>. you actually <laughs> <laughs> sometimes yeah or listen to um the promos um sometimes making tunes yeah whatever sometimes i read a book just honestly and a lot of the time during the summer obviously sleep yeah i've become an expert at sleeping upright really <laughs> yeah i don't know what you're like with it but... <laughs> i'm so bad at sleeping i can sleep on planes but i can't I, i'm not good at sleeping in a bed my body just like wakes me up at certain times. And so you, got, you, like, got, you got no chance in a chair then. Yeah, it's <laughs> fucking annoying, but it's all good. Um, you, you, I, I don't know how long ago it was, but you started a podcast. Uh, Planet B. Yes. Yeah, what happened with that? It was a video podcast. Um, in short, um, it was a conflict with my BBC contract, uh, basically. Okay. Um, I wanted to do something because I still do want to do something like that. Yeah. Um, 
because obviously I'm known for playing music on radio, but I also want to, especially with how big dance music is now and, you know, all the nuances and, and talking points and everything that goes yeah. on, like having a round table, uh, if you will, conversation with different guests about uh, cultural topics and yeah. also music and just having a bit of a laugh, I just I felt was missing. Um, and so I started that uh, Planet B um show uh but unfortunately yeah just couldn't continue because uh, i wanted it to be available as a podcast yeah. but i couldn't have it as an audio it had to be only video i couldn't have it as an audio version sadly and everyone kept asking me like where's the audio version i was like ah i just can't just because mm. of the complexity of my bbc contract, contract. um but look one day maybe we'll see yeah, man, I I really enjoyed it. It was it was interesting, and to be fair, it was always like for me, it's always a goal to have this. Of this obviously is a video as well, but like I've always had the the goal to do an in person podcast rather than on Zoom. I feel like there's a level of when you're in the person is completely yeah. different. It's completely different, and and we yeah we had a good laugh and um. We'd all go for a beer and a pizza after and be friends. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> yeah, this it's definitely definitely a goal. Um, but it, it would be nice to see it. So, Mr. BBC boss, make it happen. <laughs> no, I'm not complaining. <laughs> no, totally, totally, man. Um, are you looking forward to the summer? Yes, can't wait. Obviously, Ibiza. Yeah, lots of good festivals. Um, I'm going to do it differently this year. Last year, the first year sort of post-pandemic. I know we don't like to say that word anymore, but it, it basically was the first full summer we had. Yeah. So fair to say I got a bit too involved um, <laughs> and indulgent. Uh, this year, we'll not be doing the same. I will still be enjoying the shows, but um, you will not see see me around as many tequila bottles. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, looking forward to it. It's nice going to be it's gonna be another good one. It feels, feels like everyone's ready for it like Ibiza feels like I feel like the whole world's going to Ibiza this year yeah it's come around quick I feel like this is realistically the first time where everything is fully open in the world which is weird to say because even last year not everywhere was fully open to a certain extent yeah. and no exactly yeah so I think this year is going to be it's going to be very I I remember last year even like there was a lot of my American friends that just lived in Ibiza all summer so I think it's going to be more so that as well this year. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be interesting to see what the what's on the island this year. Yeah, for um, sure. Are you going to be there? Yeah, I'm there four or five times. I think this summer. Um, nice. So yeah, um, should be good. Should be good. I'm. Uh, it's always nice to go out. It's weird because I used to live there, so it's 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 weird going from. I did like seasons living out there and then stopped going for like a number of years and then as, as a worker or as a dj yeah i was a resident out there i had residency for like four summers um nice. when i was like 18 um so yeah that was it was kind of but it realistically you're a worker right it was like i was a resident yeah. in Kenya and orange corner so yeah. i know those places yeah <laughs> so it was like it's very, it's very different when you're going as a DJ or as you're you're a worker there, really. And I used I used to do you know Tom Brown that does the Mambo Studios. Yes, of course. Yes, I used to work with Tom, and um, 
help him at the studios and we used to do a bunch of other like radio radio stuff on the island so like it was it's yeah. always like but then when you go as a as a touring dj it's like completely different experience um, yeah well you don't really see much of it <laughs> no you're just in and out in and out do you, are you based out of london yeah in london been here um 10 years now yeah Everyone always is surprised. Everyone always says, uh, you're in London. I've been there 10 years. I think people just think I live up north. Still, still. in Blackpool. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I did want to. I, I, my, my goal was, not goal, but my, my plan was to always Go move back. back up there. But yeah. I don't know. I quite like it here now. Maybe I'll move to Ibiza once and for all at some point. We'll see. Do you, how would that work, though, with, with the radio? Well, I was, I was thinking about doing it this year, but just fly back on a Friday, do mm. the show, and then go back. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. It would be nice. Or try or try to persuade my boss to let me do it from Ibiza, but I don't think that would happen. Use the Mambo Studios and do it live or pre-record it. Yeah, yeah. Well, never pre-record. It's always live. So <laughs> Always um, live? Yeah. How, how does always that work? Live. Like, how does that work? Because with regards to, like, holidays and taking time off and things like that. I mean, I'm allowed holidays. I get five contractually a year, but I never really take them all because I hate yeah. having time off. I, just, mm. I love doing the show um and yeah just i try my best not to have any any fridays off sometimes i mean last year i had to have quite a few because i had a back like a weddings out to go to but um yeah this year uh nothing planned i don't think to have off yet mm. but um we'll it, see. it's it, the, the buzz of doing it live is like nothing else it's yeah. as close as you're going to get as a dj to playing to you know thousands of people except you're talking to millions but you can't see them it's a really strange dynamic, but um, the, it's just, you just can't quite replicate the same energy yeah. pre-recording a Friday night show on a Tuesday morning. Yeah. It's just not the same. So yeah, just I just see the messages come in, like live interaction, mm. knowing like what you're doing is uh, having a, a positive effect or yeah. you know making someone feel good. It's yeah, there's no better feeling. Yeah, I can imagine the whole the whole texting is interesting. Does it? Do you ever get? I I know this is the most bait question ever, but is there ever times when you're nervous, or is there always butterflies at the at the start, or is it just like it's a walk in the park now? You're you're just so used to it. Um, I'm pretty well practiced. Um, so whereas I used to have like a, a big thick pile of papers with yeah. a script for everything that I'm going to say, now I basically just have like one sheet of paper. So I I, I don't really know what I'm going to say until I get to that link. Um, but no, it's, it's, yeah, it's the buzz of it. Like, yeah. you know, I could be having the worst day ever as soon as I turn up to radio one and, and we're ready to do the show. It, it just completely switches and I'm, I'm up for it and ready to go. So I, I hope, hope I never lose that. Maybe if I do, then I'll know it's time to go. But, um, yeah, no, nah, I don't really get nervous. I get more nervous about, I did a, I did a talk at IMS yeah. to a room of about 30 people. I got more nervous for that than I do talking on the radio. It's 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 different when you can see the faces. It is, isn't it? And I think it's like I don't know, it's it's the same people ask you it all the time with DJ and, and when you're just so used to it, it's just like you're just used to it, so you just get on and get on with it and it is what it is. But when it's something that you don't do often, it's always a strange concept. Which Exactly. What did you talk about IMS? I haven't seen any of the... It was about radio. It was about broadcasting. Yeah. Um, So it was obviously something that I can talk about for for hours. So it was was fine. It was fine. It it was more I couldn't believe people came to to listen. I was like, wow, Uh, you're in a beef and it's 
28 degrees outside and the bar's open. What are you doing in here? But it was, yeah, it was good and great to see people, you know, taking a genuine interest in it. Was it good this year? Because it's all changed. It's changed quite a lot, right? Yeah. It's at Destino. It was the best IMS I've been to. Really? A lot of people there, good vibes, um, great topics uh, of discussion. Uh, there was a, and, you know, to go to, go to it, it sort of signals the start of the season. So, yeah. you know, everyone's in great spirits and optimistic about, you know, the next six months. Damn, the season's starting early. It gets earlier and earlier. When I first went to Ibiza, it was, I remember I went to Carcox opening on the first Tuesday of July. Yeah. Uh, now, I mean, if you were still doing his residency, you'd probably open yeah, like now, wouldn't you? Yeah, May, May. Well, I think last last year the first party was like end of April. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess like, when was IMS this year? It was last week. Twenty eighth, right? twenty twenty ninth of April. Yeah, yeah. It's mad. They're rinsing that, early, making early. that summer money. Don't blame exactly, them. Yeah, Don't blame them. Squeezing it out of us. Squeezing. Yeah, definitely, man. Um. Mate, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, I'm glad we finally got got to do the talk. Um, yeah, good. I want to thanks for having me. No worries. I want to kind of wrap it up and kind of get a bit of uh, how can people send you music? What's the best way for people to get music to you for radio? I know it's kind of you, your your inboxes are full all the time, but like. How for a new artist out there that's trying to get music to you, how are they going to do that? Email music at djdannyhoward.com. As simple as that. And I would say uh, the only rule is not to send a wee transfer. Uh, and the simple reason is because I have so much music. Uh, I literally, I'm flicking for emails and I just want to be able to hit a link to be able to hit stream straight away yeah um so something that doesn't require me to download a zip mm. or whatever like honestly it sounds it sounds petty no I like, oh, it. it's only a minute but literally every second when i'm going through music counts, counts. Um, have you heard of so. have, you, have you heard of this new platform track called stack. Trackstack? yep yeah heard of it i'm starting to use it for the label actually um so yeah we'll see how that goes but i mean at the moment you can't expect everyone to be on that platform but um maybe one day but i mean it made my life a lot easier if it was in, in all all in one place so game changer man it's because i'm terrible uh, at promos like i i'll be honest i don't really listen to promos like unless somebody sends me something personally like the whole in-flight thing i'm kind of st stuck with do you do you go through in-flight or any of those yeah i have to yeah in-flight is great because it I means i can just i can just Scandal. You know, blast through a load of tunes in yeah. one in one hit. Um, it's funny. Each everything said that he said he, like sometimes I can't remember where I was DJing now, but he was he was on it. He's asking me what a few tunes were because he's like, yeah, I don't really listen to promos. Yeah. In fact, he, he asked me to send him a Dropbox of new new stuff because <laughs> um, I guess he's you know he's just playing his own stuff and his label and um, stuff he's already acquired. But as a radio. You have to uh, dance DJ. It is the job. Yeah, I guess so. I for me is I. It was more so like a time thing where I would spend a couple of hours listening through promos and maybe get one record that I'm like in love with, and then I could go on Beatport and spend a couple of hours and get a bunch of records that I absolutely love, um, mm. or or Bandcamp or kind of just 
scoot around the internet and find some stuff that I really like. It was just kind of like a efficiency thing for me. Where I do all that as well though, because yeah. especially my promos, I I always think of it as uh, if I'm getting this record, so is Pete, so is Sarah, so is Capital Dance, so is yeah. Kiss. Like we're all getting the same records, yeah. uh, and I like to find you know little gems. So I'll always go on. Have a little look around. I'll spend a few hours a week dedicated to Bandcamp, SoundCloud, yeah. see what's popping. Uh, Beatport you just mentioned is 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 actually my secret weapon because they have the pre-order function on there, yeah. which is a great way to to obviously see what's coming. And uh, you know, not every label or artist can afford a, a promo company. Totally. Um, so sometimes you can find new artists who've made a wicked track yeah. on Beatport pre-order. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's like, I, I I make sure I don't just rely on records coming in. I'll go yeah, out yeah. and seek, and and also on social media, see what's popping, see what other DJs are playing. It's honestly, it's it's long, but yeah. when you find when you find something, it's it's worth it. Well, I guess it's also your job. So it's like it is the job. It is the it job is. of you are you have the one responsibility of bringing dance music to the nation of Great Britain and the rest of the world. It's, yeah it's my ears are always open <laughs> it's an impressive job what's your relationship with radio pluggers good um has to be because ultimately they're obviously one goal is to get you to play a record but they they sometimes are the the the, the gateway to getting big guests on for, for promo yeah um, they're the ones that have the conversations you know I, ha- I do have personal relationships with a lot of the artists that we play, which is great, but um, pluggers are a very important uh, cog in the wheel and in the process of um, getting getting records played, and and also the the act is quite a good reminder reminding tool because you know two weeks can pass by and you've forgotten about a record yeah. and sometimes they just give you a little nudge off oh, to play this again You're like, oh yeah that was a good record and Put it back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's important to maintain healthy relationships with pluggers. Yeah, how I I guess with going back to the LF system record, um, it doesn't happen often when everyone gets behind a record like that, in in the sense of you, Pete, Sarah, and Daytime or dance anthems, mm. Daytime. Like, how does that start for an artist? Like, what what kind of does that take to kind of get to that point? Special record, yeah. and more often than not, the artist doesn't even know it themselves. Totally. But um, it, it literally is just timing, mm. having a special record, and uh, that's pretty much it. Um, both of which is hard to um, create deliberately. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's uh, give yourself the best chance, I guess. You just got to make sure the, the one thing you could do is. Uh, get uh, get as many other DJs playing it as possible. That's one way. Yeah. But even then, it's not always guaranteed because you can definitely manipulate that. Look, a special record is a special record. It's always gonna yeah uh, cut through. So um, I guess when you're making your music, you just gotta have that in the back of your mind. Like, is is this different to what's out there? Yeah. Um, does it sonically fit into what is current? Yeah. Um, and if you can nail those two things, then you get you got a good chance. Do you guys look at like the response of the listeners as well? Of like, okay, when 
we've got a bunch of people texting in about this record when it comes in or when you guys play it. Is that like a factor of how long that gets played for? Not exclusively. Um, obviously helps. I mean, when a, when a track is a hottest record, but then obviously the the artist and the label know, yeah, and you know they they could if they wanted just get all their mates to text in and and make it seem like, um, which I'm sure just happened. But you can just tell, you can just tell. Ultimately, it comes down to does it sound good on the show? Yeah, uh, does it fit the vibe? And um, you know we'll keep playing it if it starts to pick up um, steam on Shazam, or we you know we're getting feedback of. Uh, other DJs playing it or if other radio shows are playing it then that gives us more motivation to have the confidence sorry that it um it works yeah so um that that's yeah there's multiple factors that go into whether we play a record again or not yeah love that man love that so right let's wrap this up thank you so much for coming on great. man um i hope your summer is is as good as it sounds it's going to be um me too hopefully we can catch up in person at some point over the summer i'm sure we will thank you so much for having me on peace man keep safe see you soon cheers mate cheers mate and that's a wrap big love to danny for coming on hope you enjoyed it um if you did enjoy it please share please subscribe please give us a review keeps the podcast going keep safe see you next time